recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. From the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. How many ends would there be in that? Seven or eight? Or maybe 23, like episode 23. Good to be here. Glad to be recording with you guys. Hey, thanks for having me. Yep. Hi, Ty. Hi, Josh. <laughs> Hi, Troy. So, uh, tonight on this episode, we are going to obviously talk about what we've been playing. Uh, for some of us, that's more than others. Um, what we've been hobbying, painting, building, uh, purchasing. And then also if we've been picking up any other games or looking at Kickstarters, you know, mm-hmm. if there's certain tables that you want to buy or other interesting things, we will then uh, do a, I don't know what order we're going to do this in, but a player to slay it of mm-hmm. a game that released at Gen Con, uh, My Little Scythe. It was a, um, it was basically a print to play, print to play, uh, fan whatever, fan game, yeah, yeah fan created, print yeah. to play. A guy game. and his daughter designed, and then Jamie Stegmeyer from Stonemeyer Games picked it up and sold it. Uh, and it, yeah, we'll go into it. We'll play it or slay it. And we're also going to get behind the mic and be on the table with the Bodfather himself, Troy, tonight. So Josh and I have drafted up some interesting, difficult, challenging questions that will really probably make Troy think really hard and get a little bit of analysis paralysis before he can answer them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little worried. I'm not sure that I agreed to this, but I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll try and make it through. At least I may need more drinks before we get to that. Well, point. it's funny you mentioned drinks because that is a mainstay of our show. So when you're playing this land, it is important to stay hydrated. How are we staying hydrated tonight? Josh, what do you got? Um, I have a, uh, a, a double of basil hayden's a um, double it's uh it's a pretty good pretty good whiskey i'm a fan how about you ty what do you got <laughs> <laughs> so i'm i'm drinking what i like to call the um octillion killer whoa so uh i'm a huge Those are fan big words yeah huge fan of oktoberfest it's one of my favorite um varieties of beer and one of them recently that I've really enjoyed is from Ale Asylum in Madison uh, called Octillion. And it is their Oktoberfest. Um, very good in its own right. It had been my favorite. Yeah, I, I think if you go back about a year on this, this podcast, at one point we tried to buy out the entire yeah, stock the, of Octillion yeah, yeah, in the Waukesha the area. Store, we would buy everything we could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, this year I've been uh, a big fan of Third Space Brewing in Milwaukee. Uh, they do Java Blanca, which is a, um, it's like a coffee style, um, ale, like Mm. a cream ale, coffee style cream ale, which is delicious. I love it. Well, then I saw their Oktoberfest and it is simply 
October Fest Fest Beer Lager. So um, it's their standard fall uh, Marzen mm-hmm. style. Um, it it is absolutely wonderful. The mm-hmm. taste of mm-hmm. it. Uh, Third Space Brewing October Fest. Um, they can most of their stuff, which I don't. You know, can or bottle, I'll drink either. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is it is fantastic. So. And it's totally crushable. Like you could drink a bunch yeah. of them. Yeah, they are they're, really. They're, it's really good. Yeah. Troy, what do you got? I have got the. I'm really boring. I have the House Cocktail, Van Gogh Vodka, Acai Blueberry. Somebody's got to do it. Ultra Zero Monster, mm-hmm. Little Ice. I do have it in a ten year old Green Bay Packer glass, and I know it's ten year old because it says ninety years, and we know the Green Packers are having their hundred year anniversary now. Truth. Yeah, 100th season, which started with a win <laughs> a against the Chicago Bears with a mm. uh, comeback, incredible Aaron Rodgers. We're not a football podcast, but if we were, we'd spend at least two hours talking about the fourth quarter of that yeah. Packers-Bears uh, opener. Pretty crazy. Yeah, considering I had ended the season at halftime. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Deshaun Kaiser came in, and I was like, there, go, there yeah. goes. Yeah. <laughs> John and I had the team dead, buried. We were ready to. And the people who had walked out of the stadium at halftime, I'm sure, oh. were uh, regretting it. They should that. take every one of those people's season tickets away. If you have season tickets, and if you're a season ticket holder and you left, I can't imagine it would be a season ticket holder. I can't feel bad. Uh, I was doing the same thing. I, I barely kept the TV on. I, I mean, I I stuck with it. I I played my game of Madden five minutes before halftime. Mm -hmm. Through halftime, came back to the game though and watched. Incredible, but. Let's get on <laughs> to what everybody's listening for. Maybe we've got some Packer fans. Yeah. If we do, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter because we will talk Packers. And all the Bears uh, fans just turned us off. So, yeah, well, you know, you can't all be perfect. Hey. So, guys, let's dive in. Uh, other than watching football, it is fall is is here. I mean, Oktoberfest beers are out. Football is back, which also means we have some uh, some really good weather for board gaming and miniature war gaming and basically doing stuff inside because summer's over yeah um so what what have we been playing so was it two weeks ago we got together for the big we talked about or i think we previewed it on the last episode yeah that we were going to do our side black plague yeah we uh we knew we were getting together to basically get all whatever 150 of ties painted uh, miniatures 74. Oh, yeah, 74. <laughs> once you get past 70 yeah once you get past 70 it's hard to keep count right um but we ended up with a full house uh six people um dan yeah, bears we had, we had dan bears from uh cubic shenanigans uh we had paul the um gm of my mage storyteller game and uh a friend of friend of the show the three of us and, and Mike, Mike calls. Mike calls. Uh, one of the uh, co co op crew. Yep. The Coop crew. Yes. <laughs> um, it, we did a custom scenario that Troy kind of worked out based on the tiles that we had available from the the six that Josh has made. Yeah. And I won't take. I mean, basically, it was a modification of one of the the scenarios that are on the Zombicide site. It's one of their special campaigns. Uh, grabbed one of those scenarios, modified it to make the board work, and we did tweak it. A little bit to make sure that we wouldn't, we we make sure we'd get our full evening of uh, play out of it, and uh, and we did. Um, we didn't 
maybe have success in the end, but I, I had a lot of fun. I think it was a really, it was a fun. Yeah. Fun I mean, it, it came down to one of those classic zombie side or black plague things where luck turns against you. You've done everything you can. You're on a razor's edge the whole time of everything going to hell in a handbasket or, you know, managing throughout it, through it. No problem. And we got a couple of double activation cards, double spawned. <laughs> double runner, runner. Double runner. Yeah. That's the worst. And, yeah. and for those of you not familiar in zombie side, when you spawn your zombies, uh, there are different types, walkers, runners, fatties. The runners have multiple moves. And when you double their activation, they're doubling that. So ultimately, if they're biting, they're biting twice. If they're moving, they're moving twice. It's, it's bad news. And they just monkey piled on us and devoured yeah. us. Yeah. And it was, again, we were playing smart, right? Everybody stay together to stay alive. But when you stay together and then we got overrun, everybody, almost everybody died. I think Paul, Paul, Paul survived by having Milo hidden in an alcove. <laughs> it's, That's right. It's his character, the little kid wizard. Yeah. yeah. Um, certainly would have died. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next turn. I don't know. Later. It's Milo. It he, is. He He's, just. Puts his head down, walks out of the city. It's like, all right, I'll find a new party. He was picking locks and doors. Yeah, Yeah, he's an action hero. Yeah, (laughs) Harry Potter doesn't have anything on Milo. So I probably will. I have it kind of half written up. I probably will put that scenario up on the site um, at some point here. And it's one we're looking at. We probably will try and run at some con, maybe coming up here in the fall. We'll see. Game hole might be coming up pretty close. I don't know if I can still get in on that. That's an option. Otherwise, Adepticon probably for sure. We'll see what we're gonna do. Yeah, we'll we'll find a way. Mm-hmm. We'll get yep. it out there. Yep, yep. That was super fun. Um, and then you guys have been doing some miniature gaming. I sadly haven't played a game of AOS or any miniatures since uh, Meltdown. So you're, I've been on a. You're way out ahead of us. Of like you sprinted out, Ty. Yeah, you we're, sprinted we're, way we're 50 games up. ahead. You yeah. sprinted out 50 <laughs> games ahead, and now we're slowly well, jogging. I was having up. that discussion last night at, at Hobby Night that I've played my 55 games. You know, I hit my goal of 50, and now I know I have a minimum of 10 more games this year. So it's all it's all bonus. I'm like mm-hmm. in the bonus right now. It's extra <laughs> sprinkles that you're throwing yeah. on top. Yep. But I'll get back to the table. I I pitched an idea to you guys of hobby burnout or gaming <laughs> burnout because right now I'm kind of suffering through it. So, but uh, what what have you guys been playing? So I got together last weekend um, with Eric to get Killzone to the table since we he had. Um, his space wolves that he'd been working on some really cool uh, really he's been working on that group i think he's actually uh, playing at the store in the the campaign oh, the that campaign. the local store cool. is doing so he's got his space wolves there i grabbed some gene sealer cult guys and threw together um my kill team i didn't put it was kind of my first foot into getting through the rules and everything else so i didn't like soup up guys and anything else like that but we had some really cool, we used the the board and then I pulled together a lot of the Space Hulk terrain I, that I built or the Sector Mechanicus or whatever it is um, stuff. So we had, I think we had a pretty cool board and uh, played one of the uh, basic scenarios in the kill zone. Um, and it was, that was a blast. It was fun. It was fun. I, I had, we did not, I don't think I killed a Space Wolf, but he only had five guys. I think I had eight, eight or 10, something like that. Um, but my guys, of course, can't hit the broadside of a barn. <laughs> um, but there were some cinematic moments. Like I had one guy way back with, I can't think what big gun he had. He had like some big grenade launch or something. 
And I could see like the one space wolf up standing up on the thing, trying to gun. And he got one shot off, you know, with, uh, you know, six, six to actually hit him and actually did a wound, you know, to his thing. So there's some really cool cinematic moments. I had one or two gene stealers that tried to make their way across and, and got there. So, um, I think I can just, I need to, probably tweak i mean i didn't really have specialists and a lot of the little tweak rules that you need to do so to get some kill, bonuses so. kill zone yep. in, in essence is skirmish level of 40k um with some variants for campaign play you build your kill team of individual models um from pretty basic troop types in yep. the 40k uh armies and outfit them with specific roles specialisms specialists yep. whatever um uh equipment their yep. war gear and then vie for tactical mission objectives um, on a on a small board, twenty two by thirty, I believe. Yep. So, uh, to put it in context, you're usually playing on a four foot by six foot table for a full game of forty k. Twenty two by thirty, you know, is so like a quarter, uh, a quarter a, of what you're pretty buying. small um, play field. Yep. Now, granted, you have fewer models, but it is close quarters. Okay. Yep. And yeah, anything that has like a range of like twenty four feels like long range. Uh, on that because and then you 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 know the table you do kind of pack it full of terrain too because you want to have a lot of line of sight blocking and have some sneaky you know places for especially like my guys to run through nooks um, and crannies to hide yeah. in the, um and it's i mean pretty straightforward the one thing that's a little clunky is kind of the whole like wound there's this idea of a flesh wound so even though you hit and do damage, like you always then roll like a one, I think it's 50% chance of it being just a flesh wound. And basically then your guy kind of ignores that, ignores that last wound and goes back to one wound. Now he does then get kind of a, a mark or a bonus so that any further wounds that he has is going to make it further harder, wounds but, do damage and he is less effective. And he's less effective. Um, yeah. yeah. So they, they, it kind of knocks it down, but it, that's the one part it feels a little like there's a lot of a little bit of maintenance around you have to make okay keep track of yeah. this guy has a flesh wound and everything so I, I i like it as like from a gameplay thing it's just the thing that it's a little it adds a little bit more bookkeeping than yeah. sometimes you really would want to but but it, it, i understand why they have it because it really adds some really cool you know like guy gets shot oh he's not really dead he still can get up um, and keep fighting even though he's at a minus one and tougher. I just, so, whenever so. I hear flesh wound, I read that. I think <laughs> the uh, Black Knight from <laughs> Money Python. Exactly. Just yeah. a flesh yeah. wound, of course. Yeah. So, um, kill team. We we will probably in a future episode um, give it its its justice in its own right yep. and and do a full review of the game. Um, Josh and I have yet to play a game of Kill Team, but I have read read through the yep. rules and it has me very interested in a lot of the. I mean. I, I'm a collector. I have just about every right. <laughs> faction in in the uh, the known 40k universe, um, and I've already started looking at eight or nine different kill teams that I I could make. Yeah, given, that's what's so cool is you can just throw something together and be able to play. And yeah, I just have the one game, in and I'm already trying to figure out how to to play more and more. And <laughs> well, it it strikes me too because it plays. It's supposed to play in about 45 minutes, mm-hmm. um, where you could get three or four and do a narrative with four, six, eight people in an afternoon, evening, and play through multiple games. And actually, like, if, if you sat down and did an event, you could do it in the course of a day. Yeah, I think Eric and I, was like our first game going through the rules, I still think we finished up in less than two hours on, on that game. And that's with, again, you know, kind of 
talking and drinking and everything else as we went through it. Uh, and again, once you know your army and whatever, it's yeah, I bet you they're 45 minutes to an hour just to get through. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Josh, you haven't been in the 41st millennium, but you've been in the mortal realms of Age of Sigmar playing some games, man. Indeed. Yeah, so I got that uh, lovely Zinch army uh, that I had commissioned. Um, so I'm, I'm like, well, I gotta get, gotta get them to the table, right? So I played, um, I don't know, must have been the same weekend that Troy played Eric <laughs> in in Kill Team. Um, I played Marlin, our friend, uh, friend of the show. Well, I don't know. I think he downloads. I don't think he listens. <laughs> Um, but he, I think he knew I was playing Zinch. <laughs> uh, he, he played, um, uh, a list that, yeah, like he, he had a lot of, of save abilities and, and things. And, um, so I, um, I wiped out his, his big star Drake early, uh, with some spells. And then he came back at me with a lot of shooting and a lot of trickery. Um, so yeah, it, it was a little back and forth at the beginning, and then he he came hard um, with some cavalry and a lot of uh, uh, three up saves with re rolling one type things, and yeah, it it, it got ugly. So um, in the end, he he ended up taking it, but um, it was I mean it was a, it was a good learning experience for me. Um, I I know exactly what I should have done against him. Uh, instead of what I did do, and um, I guess that leads me into my second game with Troy Weiss. Uh, his army plays entirely different than Marlin's, and so I, I thought I was taking what I learned against Marlin and applied it to Troy when I should have <laughs> done the exact opposite. I should have done what I did against yeah. Marlin on Troy, um, uh, and again, another learning experience, but um, I think Troy and I, and I, I think it was ended up we ended up a draw, but um, we didn't finish it out. It was like I think it was two o'clock in the morning when we wrapped it up. It. Yeah, <laughs> would you guys start playing at eleven or ten ish? By the time we probably started rolling down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, we yeah, um, and yeah, it was a good game. It was, it was I, fun, there was yeah. a lot. Yeah, he had a. I, I think you dispelled my spell portal yes, three and, times. Yes. Yeah. So. <sighs> Screw those endless. Oh, spells. it was wow. awful. And I even one Against time, Zinch, which yeah, is a t- yeah. right. And like I wanted to get that that one spell off so that I could you know do some damage. Can you use destiny dice on a casting roll. He you was. Can, I was. <laughs> that was the problem. He he rolled twelve twice. Wow. Yeah. Black scars twice to this spell. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was. I wasn't getting good dice the rest I of the time. Next, but I, I want next against Troy because oh. the dice are leaving. It no. was bananas. So, so we'll, we'll play, no. and you'll have yeah. no dice. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, I, it, I, I couldn't get off. Now, ask me if I could have got off a Mystic Shield. Yeah, no, he couldn't get his spells off. But every time he went to dispel my, oh, they're, it was, they're Sylvaneth that don't believe in magic. They're just yeah. like right. we will not have magic. Yeah, and he only had like three guys that could do any yep. spell casting. Yeah. I took one of them out early. But well, that's anyway. why we roll dice. It's a yep. dice game. Right. It was fun. Uh, cool. We had a good time. So and what? What I will add too is we had a pretty fun discussion. Um, on discord about the the games with mm-hmm. brendan just kind yep. of providing kind of yep. that expert analysis <laughs> yeah, com- and this construction and it's cool to you know he's it, once again cubic shenanigans with brendan and dan um love playing games with those guys and, and brendan is a really intelligent age of sigmar i mean mm-hmm. like knows yep. every army knows every war scroll 
and operates flawlessly on the table. So fun to listen when they're talking Sigmar and it was fun to then kind of break down the list and, and yep. talk through how to handle yeah. different things. Pick on, his brain a little score. bit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I kind of threw some things at him. Like what should I have done? And yeah, so it was good. All right. Who is, uh, who's playing age of Sigmar champions? Uh, I was. So over the holiday weekend, I grabbed a couple, I brought my decks up and John had his, and we were up, uh, and on vacation and so we throw down and taught did a learning game with john and kind of played i think he was playing his destruction deck um and won that game then we quickly played another one and that was a really close that one came down that game i was playing order um on on that i'm really liking that game in terms of the how fast it plays and just how it plays quick and it's it's efficient. Efficient, and, the yeah. Rules and there's and just there's, makes sense. And there's good cho- and interesting choices. And never been. I haven't really been frustrated. Um, you know, a lot of times you get frustrated with your deck, like oh, I can't do anything. But it always seems like there's stuff to do. And like I, I think about fifty percent of the games I've had have come down to basically if you wouldn't, if the person wouldn't have won on their turn, the other person would have won on on the, the next turn, right? If they wouldn't have finished each other, if we wouldn't finish you know, each other off. And what is really cool too about age of sigmar champions the app is live i oh, was it really i was trying to get it to work i couldn't get it to work on my ios today but i haven't tried like my android device to see if it's, that's, it's if supposed it's, to be live they turned it on yep. nice now you know and that's why i tried and then i was getting some error for unless everyone was trying to log in because i was having trouble logging it was giving me some <laughs> error logging into the server or something yeah because i was excited about that and because um to see because that's what's going to be cool is to be able to play digitally too and then we've been playing at work because i've just been bringing multiple decks to work oh, nice and then neil's played a couple we played a couple times Neil from work um, and uh so i think again i think he'll play i don't think he's going to collect because it's a collectible mm-hmm. but as long as i can bring him cards and a deck to play i'll have somebody to at least play and practice with um and i and i bought another 10 packs today because i happened to drive by the game store <laughs> of course you did <laughs> i should have just it's one of those why you should just buy a box right i think yep. i bought enough boosters over the last couple weeks the we should we should do a, a bod game yeah. night of yeah. aos champion and i i haven't done next thing i want to do is i've been playing around with actually constructing a deck i think i have enough cards and mm-hmm. um, to play with to figure out but again i think that's the next level of like okay what's actually going to work for some of that yeah <laughs> right this stuff but but interesting even just from the different heroes i'm also like being thematic to like hey maybe i can make an elf deck and yeah i there there are certainly some that'll work right now a stormcast deck will work right. um I, I don't think the other order uh sub factions will will really function because there's not enough cards like there's a sma- you know a scattering of deepkin cards that you see the different right i was trying to build an elf <clears throat> i think i'm like I'm close where I could barely have like four heroes that yeah. are like elves and I'm like, well, then all the synergy, like I don't have enough other cards to, mm-hmm. to build, which to is fill kind of, it out. Yeah. yeah. So another, they're probably just setting us up for expansion. Oh, for sure. Guess, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, you look at the four main Alliance decks and, and you have Stormcast prevalent in the order. You have the green skins prevalent mm-hmm. in the destruction, um, death, you know, it, it's mainly, risen vampires some of the heroes nagash mm-hmm. but they could go night haunt they could you know there's mm-hmm. plenty of direction yep. you could go um and then chaos it's pretty heavy uh corn yeah um and corn mm-hmm. demons and bloodbound at this point with a smattering of you know zinch and um i didn't see any slanesh no i didn't either. and i didn't really see nergo which makes me think mm-hmm. 
There's limited, like... Yeah, I saw a couple Nurgle, but nothing, yeah. Um, which makes me think, obviously, you're, you're going to expand the game. Right. And, and I would imagine sooner than later, we're going to start seeing Beyond the Core. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, it looks like they're having some success with it, so... Yeah. Yeah, and I think, again, you'll hear from us in the future, now that the app is live, I think that's the next thing to dive into, which is interesting, too, because that's going to open up so much around, oh, well, I don't have anybody in front of me to play. Flip open the app and yeah, right. yeah, very cool. Well, um, so recently, uh, over the summer, um, at a uh, kind of a pseudo engagement party, uh, we were given a game from Poland Gen Terran Meeple City. Um, Antoine Bauza designed game originally, it was called and cool story here. Originally, it was Rampage. Oh, I'm saying, isn't this, is this originally Rampage? Like, yeah, that Antoine Bauza <laughs> did. Five years ago, nope. six years nope. ago, uh, a few years after the Kickstarter, um, due to copyright infringement, the video game was it Konami or whatever yep. the video game company came after it, saying you can't monsters invading a city, you can't call this Rampage. We had a game in the eighties yep. called and, Rampage, and, and now there's and, a feature film. Right, and I think probably um, what they noticed was it was probably was when the coming. film IP was yep. being yeah. you know handed out. Yep. So they they re-released it as Terran Meeple City. Same game. They didn't change much of anything. Rules function the same way. Um, meeples with stickers, and you basically layer these cardboard floor tiles on buildings, put meeples, and then you have your monsters that you move, you flick vehicles, you pick up your monster and drop it to smash buildings. So we played that with uh, Landon and Nicole and I played that one night, and that was pretty fun. Right. Didn't play with like the abilities and the character yeah. cards. We just did the the base. Right. Okay, you can do these actions. Meeples in colored sets score you ten points. Floors score you one point. Teeth from other monsters score you two points. And we uh, we played Terror in Meeple City. So <laughs> that was a that was a fun game. Landon loved you know saying, did dropping like dropping the monster, flicking the car, uh, kind of wild. We had to <laughs> be like, all right, <laughs> calm down, we can do this. <laughs> um, but it was it was super fun, and it, it's just a a light family game. Um, manual dexterity, you know, as you're yeah. trying to figure out where you drop it and how you can flick off the top of your monster, and you move the monster by sliding it, you know, a wooden disc on the board. Um, so that was that was super cool, and it took like an hour, two hours to put all the stickers on all the meeples, and then <laughs> <laughs> set up. But Landon helped with that. He he uh, he had tried to help about a month ago, where he opened it and started doing, it and we're like, can't no. <laughs> but uh, so that was that was pretty fun. And then I haven't been playing Age of Sigmar, Kill Team, many board games, but I got a new game on Steam. Uh, that I'm having some fun with. It's a survival game in the in the vein of Daisy, um, and it's called Scum, all capital letters, S C U M. It's an island in the future that's a prison, and you're uh, you're trying to survive. You start with zero equipment. You have your prison jumpsuit. You calibrate your your um, ability scores, but as you increase your strength, you're lowering your dexterity, so you're slower uh, as you change your body size. That matters for like calorie consumption. It's a very detailed survival game that then has a multiplayer element if you want. And I've tried. I I starve. I eat something I shouldn't eat. I get sick. Um, you have to monitor your intake of like hydration, vitamins, uh, your hunger levels, and if you 
eat too much, you have to go to the bathroom or drink too much. So you control your bodily functions as well. <laughs> uh, and then you fight zombies around, you know, the villages where you find the best equipment is where there's buildings. So it's just this cool open world. I want to say it's a 140 square kilometer like map. It's insane how big the map is, but uh, it's in early release. So it was like $20. Awesome. Um, picked it up and it uses the Unreal 4 uh, mm-hmm. engine. So the graphics are slick and there's a crafting mechanic where you find some rocks you can make like a stone blade well then you have a stone blade you see some fallen trees you can cut branches off to make you know improvised spear and as you find different things rubber bands and scraps you can make different equipment and items for yourself so not only are you looting some and there is limited weapons around the world like at the end of the night after playing for like five hours in the single player mode i had a crowbar and and a hatchet and a stone like shiv <laughs> improvised knife <laughs> and then a bunch of clothes and like vitamin tablets where if you eat too many vitamins did you know it's a bad thing what yeah you can be at too high of vitamin levels it throws off your whole your whole body wow too much vitamin b is a bad thing how about it so that's scum it's in early release on steam um it's it's interesting i don't, i think the multiplayer will be pretty wild uh but pretty cool. And then we got uh, Dungeons and Dragons going on Roll20 yep, with, um, sure with the, the crew. You guys leveled up to level two in Tomb of Annihilation. Minus uh, Bryce. Minus Bryce. But he listened to the audio. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> so Josh uh, was a hero and recorded the session. Bryce hit, uh, <laughs> wasn't able to make it around his birthday. And he listened and we hit a message in it where he could level up with you guys. So yeah. he... Uh, he said he provided that he leveled up yep. um but that was that was fun got through another combat encounter um trying to see if you guys can function in a sandbox we're just gonna wander around in circles yeah i don't think we have a clear leader yet that's no, the problem no. no and uh yeah that's i think we'll we'll figure that out but so yeah, Tomb of Annihilation, Dungeons and Dragons, uh, and that—that's kind of what we've been playing. So what's on the what's on the hobby table? What uh, have we been building, painting, purchasing? Somebody's got a modular workshop system. Yep. So last Christmas, ooh, I bought this for myself. So you guys have seen you guys have seen it. So this hobby zone where modular workshop is. Like I have the paint tray, so basically it's mm-hmm. a paint holder, and I, it's I, it covers my whole desk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I had bought part of this whole system is then you can buy drawers and uh, little whatever drawers, cabinets, kind of things that go underneath the the paint things. And I've had those since Christmas, and I finally like I need to build these things. I've been trying to reorganize the hobby side of the basement of death. Um, and so over over the last couple of weekends, I've went and it's just mdf and some good old glue and goes together really nice and then they actually have little magnets that you that they give you that you put in and then they're big and they're heavy so you could just stand them next to each other but they give you little magnets you put in there and then they all sit right next to each other so super cool system they are i think the original companies in poland but there is like i think hobbyzone.com there's a u.s distributor so you don't pay a million dollars in shipping um, they cost a little bit more in U.S. dollars, but I think that's because you're paying the shipping in some way, but it's a little better. So 
Um, I would recommend if you're looking for something for paint storage, little hobby kind of things, and you don't, it's a little hobby project in itself to do that. So, um, <laughs> or you can go to Walmart and buy the little plastic things and do whatever. Probably a lot easier, but it looks pretty slick. I'm I was happy to put it all together. So now I got to move all my stuff back in it though and organize <laughs> things. So it's Hobby Zone Modular Workshop System. Yep. Um, and all kinds of different, like I just have. Any retailers in the States carry it or do you got to order from overseas? No, it's hobbyzone.com. So okay. they do have it. They think the company is in Poland, but they do have a U.S. Okay. distribution cool. website at least. So, and I got it when I've ordered it both times. Um, I've literally gotten it in like three days. So I don't know where the heck they are, but um, Excellent. it's pretty quick for, and it's heavy stuff. I mean, like real nice you know, MDF that, cool. they, that they build. So, and all kinds of stuff. Like I just have kind of these, like, two corner sections and then two straight sections for holding paint and for the drawers underneath. But if you look on the site, you can build like a whole wall cabinet, right? There's all kinds of different options that they have for different kinds of drawers, different kinds of shelves, different kinds of things that you want to build. That really is a system of whatever you want to build and spend. Not, not super cheap, but I think you get, you get what you pay for. They, they are pretty nice. Have you used that modular uh, workshop system to, paint anything or um no but i did use my badger airbrush Ooh. Um, so to do get ready for zombicide we the scenario we had has a whole bunch of abominations in it that we actually never used because we died before they came out <laughs> um but i wanted to get them done so it gave me a good reason to like i fired up the airbrush and painted up two of the wolf abominations and i think it's the Alpha, Abomin Alpha, or whatever the heck that name is, um, did some really quick work with the airbrush and some washes. And uh, I still need to go back and do some highlight stuff, but I was really happy with in like an hour and a half or whatever, getting those guys from primed back up. To, and I think even a couple of them I even had to prime, uh, get them to something we could put on the table and they match with everything else since we weren't going to have unpainted there's no way we're going to play with unpainted stuff on that in that game that was a blast so <laughs> but it gave me a good reason to get those things painted and play with the airbrush and do some some fun stuff very cool josh you have been slowly but surely reaching the sky with a piece of terrain yeah i i've been working on my hearst arts uh tower um i think i might have talked about it in the last episode but yeah, I got it primed. I got it built and primed. And then, um, so for my game with Marlin, it was actually just black. <laughs> and that, that was fine, you know, whatever. That was, it was Mordor. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and then... So well, was, was Marlin's army painted anyway? <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Oh, that was okay. his slave labor, right. Stormcast. Oh, okay. Yeah, or or eBay, yeah, yeah. right. Um but for my game with Troy, I was like, I need to get this at least, like, you know, some semblance. And yeah, because I wouldn't have played. Right. Yeah. I would have refused. So I get uh, one coat of dry brushing done on uh, my lunch hour, uh, like the Thursday before. And then I'm like, okay, okay I can do one more. I, you know, like just little highlights here. And then it actually looked pretty good. And that's actually what you guys see out there right now. Um, uh, I did my final, like, 
like almost white. It's like light gray uh, dry brush, and then that was pretty much it. So Josh, they can't see on the podcast. They can't see, right? Well, you guys saw it. Oh, us guys, not listener guys. Well, you guys, oh, yeah. We should we should force Josh to put it up on the on the website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. sure. We'll we'll take a studio picture. picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do have a yeah. Get yeah. some lighting. Mm-hmm. We could do yeah. it. Yeah, heck yeah. Um, but yeah, we uh, it, it it looked pretty good. Um, I it turned out way better than I thought I was going to, to be honest. So I'm very happy with it and I'll probably have to build another tower at, at some point. Um, a few, a few, a, a few other towers. <laughs> I might actually buy another mold so I can do two at a time, like mold two at a time. Um, cause yeah, I've gotten some interest from other folks, uh, in the BOD, uh, to build another one. So cool. You know, factory. And yeah. because I, wouldn't let you put anything unpainted on the table. Right. We well, it was one of my goals. So Right. And so I had to, when I was playing, I did throw a branch wraith in my army. And I'm like, I don't really have a branch wraith. So I quickly hacked one together from some uh, bones. I went through them all. My, I'm like, oh, there's got to be something in my million, you know, three boxes of old bones miniatures I can pretend to be a branch wraith. So... I found a model that kind of looks like some kind of woodsy type elf person. Mm-hmm. It, it it did the job. Good, and then I cranked the airbrush out. I did that one in less than like uh, a half hour. Hold on, a woodsy type elf person. Yeah, correct. Okay, that's what he just said. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's Wood- that's what we're up against when we play Troy Sylvan. Yeah. Well, and it's it's funny. Woodsy type elf, elf people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's funny. It wouldn't have mattered. Because she hid in the trees the entire time anyway, so yeah, okay. I never saw her. Right. So, so what? What's your Sylvaneth army like? Eh, kind of woodsy. Kind of woodsy. They hide in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> They're elf people. Oh man, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad you guys have been holding up uh, your half the donkey when it comes to hobbying and in, in Age of Sigmar. I've been. A, we, there was a couple, there slacking. was plenty of months where you were the only one yeah, with anything were, yeah. on the list. So. Um, it, burnout has hit me hard and. Uh, so I tried to reinvigorate, well, Bryce, bless his heart, because I've carried him through some hobby burnout. He uh, he made me get on Skype, and I put together Volturnos. So I did that kit one night um, in sub-assembly so I can paint him. And then I went to hobby night. I'd skipped the last couple, and I went uh, Tuesday out to Brendan's for our guys from Milwaukee uh, hobby night. And I built a zombie dragon and the vampire lord. So... Um, oh, I did, get it. Sorry, the building. show notes. It's V L O Z D. I didn't know what that. Now oh I know yeah, that's death player slang for vampire yeah. lord on zombie dragon. Yeah, no, mm-hmm. I get it because that's a mouthful, right? So, I uh, I have built some stuff. Now it's going to be continuing to build stuff, and I'm I'm purchasing. I bought twelve Mirren Morn banshees, uh, which had been out of stock for a while. So I bought my Nighthaunt banshees. I bought some grim grass grim gast reapers uh to supplement the four starter boxes that i had i needed 10 more because you got to run them mm-hmm. in a 30 and you only you know so or 220s <laughs> so yeah buying stuff and then put in a mini stomp order today for a couple of black coaches and more eels seems good seems like i'm back to having a problem about purchasing stuff and then uh, not building it um that's where i am right now so Adeptus Titanicus to get back into the future. Get back in. Oh, that's a 
back to the I future. think that's trademarked. Um, <laughs> so I've been buy. I have a whole bunch of little Titans in boxes, getting ready to get put together. I have started slowly on one of them, and then the good news is the motivation is that Dan and I have set a date for our game uh, in the beginning of a couple of weeks. So that'll be my motivation to where get the, and when. Uh, I think. First week in October, probably over at his place, we're going to get the giant little robots. The theme song to Weeds popped into my head there. <laughs> little Titans still in boxes. Little Titans made of ticky tacky. Sorry. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, nice but, pull. <laughs> thanks. Uh, but I'm excited. So, I, I mean, I had the original, the starter that I actually put with Dan. And then I'm like, well, I need to have more stuff. So I keep buying more i think i have another i think mini stomp sent me another warlord i happened to see a reaver <laughs> on a, send one sent one and there was a reaver <laughs> on a shelf that i'm like well it's just right here why then i'm gonna need a reaver at some point so mm-hmm. i threw that in my yeah <laughs> that was just an impulse buy so i have All plenty right. of stuff to so what you're saying is we need to have a hobby day or get back yeah. on the the hobby yep. Skype, uh, right? Hobby yeah, hangout in yeah. Discord because uh, and because I'm actually counting down to Dragonfall too, and that's going to be here yeah. before I know it, and so I need yeah. to like get my head wrapped around what the heck I'm gonna. Well, I've, I've got to paint a bunch of demons for uh for Havoc because we're doing yeah. a dual corn list. So, mm-hmm. yep. So mm-hmm. yeah, the hobby's going to be real again, real soon. Yeah, here we go. Think I can paint a, a VLOZD in um six days to bring the Bryce's tournament. I have six like working days of hobby with an airbrush. Mm-hmm. Don't have one. All right. Kickstarter. I need to kickstart my hobby progress. Speaking of that, let's get into kickstarting gaming related product projects. I see, uh, I see some furniture has yeah. made the list again. And these are actually kickstarters that are going on now. Unlike mm-hmm. a lot of the ones we unfortunately talk about that are usually just over <laughs> as you hear right. this stuff. Uh, but uh, Table Ultimate Gaming, who we talked about originally when they put out their uh, original tables, I think they called it the Epic or something like that. They just, and really super great tables. Um, saw them at Gen Con. They had, I don't know, like almost a dozen tables, I think, all around, and different vendors were using their stuff. And, and I was this close to actually, I, I've been looking at them to, to maybe put an order in. And I did not pull the trigger, even though they had some pretty good deals going on at the show. Because uh, I'm glad I waited, because they've actually come out with the, what they're calling the Game Changer tables, which are um, kind of a little more the economy version of their um, of, from their Epic. So a little less the whatever the rail that goes around a little mm-hmm. smaller, but anything from coffee table size, like a two by four, all the way up to like a four by six. Um, different options for cup holders, dice trays, uh, table toppers that you put on that basically turn it from, you know, to cover up the gaming space to turn it into a real dining room table. Um, these are really nice, high quality. You can have them as your dining room table. Um, and I think like the four by six run, I think that's like 500 bucks for this, this game changer, the new one that came out. Um, but then if you can, you can add all kinds of options and different bundles that are in the Kickstarter. And so that just came out this week, um, 
we still have about 30 days to go and this is where we are middle of September. So about another month to go, go on that. And so still got to kind of run it by, make sure uh, everybody at home is good with me making a semi-major purchase on this, but it's a lot easier to stomach the prices on this than the, uh, than the Epic table. The ways and means committee. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but that's not all in terms of furniture. Yes. So the folks over at, um, boardgametable.com uh, boardgametables.com um, have uh, so the, they are the makers of the Duchess uh, which was uh, Kickstarter roughly two years ago which uh, resides in the BOD brew house over here just next to the studio here um, a game table that I own and I, I really like um, have had good success with um, so Chad Deshaun, um, the owner of boardgametables.com learned a lot from his first Kickstarter and decided, Hey, let's, let's do this again. I'm crazy. You know, um, I think there's 20 some days left. Uh, and, uh, so he's got this new Kickstarter for the Jasper and it's very similar to the Duchess. Um, some slight tweaks. Uh, so instead of two long pieces for the table topper, he did three smaller pieces uh, running uh, uh, the short way instead of going long, long ways across the table. Um, a few less options, um, but ultimately it's, it's very similar to the Duchess and it's a little bit cheaper price point as well. So I think uh, just the table itself, uh, not too many bells and whistles is five ninety nine. Um, so yeah, a little bit cheaper. Um, and then if you do, uh, you know, with the topper and other things, I think it's in the $900 range and then, you know, it kind of goes up from there. So, um, yeah, lots of, lots of interesting things on that. So if you're interested in a gaming table, um, and the, um, the uh, game changer isn't in your uh, <laughs> wheelhouse, then I would check out the Jasper just you know, just uh, as another option. Um, they do good work, uh, I was impressed. And uh, another thing that they said that they they want to try to make um, assembling uh, and shipping of the, the tables uh, a priority, so um. There was it, with the Duchess. There was a few issues with shipping and and things getting damaged. So that's going to be uh, foremost in their mind when when they ship it out. So, and what what I will add about both because I'm I'm looking at both. I may or may not be <laughs> you know in on a table. I have some other expenses coming up. Looks like the Jasper is fall of next year. What they're slating for shipping. And I think the game changer is supposed to be a little earlier, maybe yep. April or May mm-hmm. of next year. So if timing is important, one looks ahead. And also, you know, fulfillment being what it is, um, you know, just be be cautious because even though they're trying to do things right this time, there was some pretty significant delays and have been on other table projects. So just buyer beware. Yep. Right, right. Keep cautious. Don't be planning on it for a big event in June. <laughs> it may not be there. So, yep. the good news is, I think the guys at Ultimate Table um, seem like they they have been and they've been delivered on their previous Kickstarter. I think they're still delivering to, 
to different places. Yeah, finishing fulfillment. We've been uh, on that. And uh, again, the, the tables and seeing those guys in person at, at Gen Con have been really positive in there. Not to take anything away from the, the guys over at the other one, but it seems like there's a there's been a little bit of different experiences between those those two tables things but they're mm-hmm. both been pretty high yeah quality they both are great now. yeah i mean they they look really nice and they they get the job done the four by six is what sways me i mean then yeah um if With i'm going I, yeah yep so i can already put a board game or not you know a board game uh some plywood and a, a fat mat down to play <laughs> um i don't want to put something on top of the table so I need it to be big, yeah. yeah. But there is a topper option. I, I, I know, mentioned that. I know. That, yeah, there's a where they're just offering the, a table topper that you can get all the coolness of the table, but just put it on top of you have an existing, existing dining room table or just a regular whatever fold out table that you have. That yeah, you they're they're cool. going to be tough to not do. But I'm. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is a little more affordable is board game Kickstarters. So Steamforged. Um, I know we've talked about some of their other stuff that they have upcoming. Troy, you played Resident Evil. Yep. Uh, they launched a Kickstarter for Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a pretty popular PlayStation Four game where you're um, you're almost like a prehistoric hunter, but you're fighting these dinosaurs that look like robots. So it's a one-to-four-player cooperative tactical uh, miniature board game um, set in that video game universe. And I know we've we've kind of said sometimes their miniatures are suspect. These are, they look really well done. Um, no idea about gameplay, but Horizon Zero Dawn is pretty cool. So there's a Kickstarter out for that. And Steamforged has done several Kickstarters and, and continues to, it appears that's going to be mm-hmm. their mode of uh, releasing these, these cool. products. Yeah, has anybody played the computer game? I've, I've heard a lot about it. I thought people so, really liked it, but I didn't. Don't know a lot about it. My so my dad plays PlayStation games quite a bit, and he'll find ones that are accessible. And he he's enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn a lot. I almost got it, but I was uh, I had by the time I thought about it, I was playing Far Cry Five, and you know, open world, similar action type game, different setting, obviously, but didn't didn't pick it up but i've heard good things and it's a it's a cool combination of that prehistoric hunter gatherer with these futuristic robot monsters and dinosaurs so cool um and then when you have an awesome table like the duchess jasper the the table of ultimate gaming and you're playing role-playing games like dungeons and dragons you kind of need to have either her starts do-it-yourself boards Dwarven Forge or the Architects of Destruction have uh, launched a Kickstarter that's midway through. It's funded for the Rampage Dungeon. Rampage Dungeon is seamless interlocking um, dungeon tiles and they're injection molded plastic Mm -hmm. and they come both unpainted and painted. So there's different price levels. Um, They they look really good. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of different options. you know, a couple hundred bucks, I think, gets you uh, enough that you could do a, a few encounters in a, yeah. a decent-sized dungeon with some variety. Um, and they they look they look really good. The level of detail uh, that's captured in the injection molded plastic um, looks like it would take paint fairly well. Um, they have some cool, uh, and what's nice is it's a true one-inch grid. So all of the oh. tiles um, have that you know that grid if you're playing role-playing games with with miniatures 
um, and they offer, which is also a, a good thing, the hand-painted option. So it adds a couple hundred dollars um, to the, the set if you do it you know, hand-painted. Um, but certainly there's, there's different pledge levels and combinations that make some really cool. And since they are interlocking plastic, you don't have to construct them like the set. You could do your own hallways, your own rooms, uh, and mix and mix and match. Um, but they, they have one that's the, uh, Wraith Crypt and there's skulls and there's inlet like Elko's where bones are on and the level of detail just looks incredible for plastic. You would think, um, it was added, you know, people were adding in different things or putting their own scatter train in, but it's actually the, uh, yep. the injection molded plastic where, you know, traps, um, different iron, iron bound doors and the portcullis. Um, so a lot of different options. Uh, I think the company is the architects of destruction, but the Kickstarter is the rampage, uh, dungeon. And so this is, I mean, close to, I'm going to say close to home, but we have some, um, so basically the design of the, the pieces here, these were all actually 3d made as 3d printable molds that, and uh, plans that were basically from printable scenery, which is Matt Barker, who, we got I talked with a little bit last year, um, and he's in New Zealand. So that's where this is. I, th- again, this is not. I think you can look at it. So that those designs have been. In, he's been working on that stuff for years, um, and basically they he got together with, I, I think this other guy who's uh, who's become the where the architects of destruction. Um, and I think they're U.S. based. Yeah, they're he's in California. In, he's in California, so that's where they're doing it. But he basically was able to take those designs convert them over to make them into you know injected mold rather than 3d print um i think what i heard i think there was a good uh uh, interview on i think independent characters with these guys i think they actually upped the um the the texture on these things the to make them even because they found they could even get more detail in the plastic um, when you're doing the injection mold than they could from the 3d plastic so uh so it's real interesting yeah because i had seen this stuff on the printable scenery site back uh like a year ago uh, when we were working with Matt on on some of the stuff that when they were just I think getting the ideas for how they were going to uh, do some of this stuff and I think they kind of switched from doing you know 3D plans and 3D printed stuff to doing uh, injection mold which I think is going to have a lot more because at this point people right not everybody has 3D printers and if you want to print one of these dungeons you'd spend yeah weeks time yeah. to do it yeah to yeah. actually print out all the pieces so it's uh, I think it's be really cool I'm there it's are one of the stuff the, where there like, are stairs and levels. Right. So, I mean, it's really um, hard to like not like, hey, I shouldn't you just get like some a couple like one of these smaller I'm, things just to play with. I'm, I'm like, tempted just to see what the walls yeah. and the, the tiles are like from yeah. from a would it work for zombie side? Uh, would it work for you know any yep. game where you're you're talking about playing in that 3D style um, setup? So. Yeah, and it looks again not to. I mean, the Dwarven Forge stuff is super cool, but it seems like there's some downsides of that in terms of well, storage keep, and the keep in mind the, the, the weight. This the is going to be so light yep. to right, get a set of this. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, to cart around to bring to you know if you're not hosting at your place to bring somewhere to set up, mm-hmm. and the way it looks like it goes together, it's as you explore the dungeon, you can have these pieces and they go together so quick it's not like you're having to right. precariously balance their interlocking plastic pieces 
So I, this is one I'm, I'm very tempted to get into it at some level and do the unpainted. Cause I have no yep. problem being able to paint, you know, yeah. But even if you're doing the painting stuff. again, the painting, who they got painting it less Bursley, who I don't know if you're familiar with him again, pro painter, if you go on YouTube, mm-hmm. um, I've learned a lot of stuff from him, <laughs> from his videos. So it's, again, I, the people who are involved in this, uh, again, not that we know him personally, but we've kind of brushed shoulders with them at different places and they're all again, people who, who seem to do really good stuff. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's hard not to find, I think we'll talk to us in a, another, whatever this summer, we may find that we all have uh, gone in on this at some level <laughs> <laughs> or, or, you know, go in as a group. Right. Since <laughs> right. Technically we'd probably be <laughs> Put all into- using it when we're playing together. Yep. Um, so. but yeah, it does, it is set out for August the next year to fulfill. So, Looks like they're trying to target the the end of next summer. So that's what I found on Kickstarter. That's what I'm kind of excited about. What else is out there? Um, I got a couple things I just want to touch on real quick. As uh, one is a, a, I want to circle back to the last episode where I was talking about listening to Fulgrim, and <laughs> Troy spoiled um, a big part of my Fulgrim experience. And told me that when I was talking about how cool Ferris Manus was, he, he said Fulgrim beheads him. Spoiler. Cuts his head off with a sword. And I was devastated because, first off, I didn't know that. Second, I hadn't gotten that part in the book yet. And then I come to find out, as I have gotten further, there's not only one battle between the two Primarchs. There's two battles. So I'm listening to this 10, 15-minute battle between the two of them on Ferris Manus's ship in his forge and Fulgrim has him. I'm like, oh, here's where he pulls out the blade and he cuts his head off because Troy ruined it for me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Leaves him. Don't. Then it comes later, hours later in the audiobook, and it happens. And I was I was upset. I was hurt. It was spoiled. But Fulgrim got better, and I'm glad I'm listening to it because it's really good now. Do I get a rebuttal now? Yep. So don't you think Grand McNeil knew that we all knew that Fulgrim cut um, what what Grand McNeil, head off? What Grand so McNeil. we put two battles in there so that we all were like, because everybody when we read oh, it, we're well, like, it what the happen. heck? It didn't happen. What the heck? He's changing the story. <laughs> so we were all had we all had that same sort of a gotcha. reaction. Yeah. Even though we all because we all knew. Well, okay. For, see, he would put that in there for all the people that did know what happened. Yeah. To get there, so it was yep. funny. So I'm glad you can get some enjoy because I totally yeah. forgot that that he had two battles yeah. in there. I am That's enjoying Fulgrim. It's gotten much better as as the yeah. action picked up and you start the pieces click together, uh, leading up to Svan Five. So yeah, you must uh, be in the you must be running towards the end now, right? In the last I have, third, I have maybe 15 minutes left. Yeah, like I'm, I'll yeah. finish on the ride home tonight probably. Uh, so then another speaking of books, Dragon Heist released mm. um, this week. I think it was yesterday, Tuesday. At game stores, they usually do that friendly like a month game store a week right. or two in advance of when it hits full retail mm-hmm. before you can get it on Amazon. I need to swing by Games Universe this week or weekend mm-hmm. uh, before I leave town to pick up a copy because that is all, you know, urban mm-hmm. crime <laughs> in Waterdeep in the Forgotten Realm. Super stoked to get my hands on that. But Dragon Heist is out for Dungeons and Dragons. Cool. And is that like multiple adventures in there or is it so? They give the DM a cast of villains, 
and which one you use kind of changes mm. the way the the adventure plays um builds up to the heist mm. a little different mm. i don't know that you could run through it okay. obviously so it is like one times, story but, the, but you have different ways to do there's it. Okay. some variation that allows the dm to choose what what pieces to to put in cool and i just plan on using pieces of it when mm. Other campaigns of mine yeah. go through Waterdeep and give me, you know, reference material for the the greatest city in any campaign setting ever. <laughs> so, all right, Troy, you're wearing a new shirt, man. I'm like wearing it. a new shirt. Uh, Joe Manganello's death saves that I think he's. If you haven't seen it by now, I don't know what you you probably haven't been watching TV. Um, so I got my t-shirt. Uh, Night of the Black Rose. Um, I it's exceeded my expectations. I'm like, oh, this can be pretty cool. And it's like, I'm, you play. It's a premium shirt. You're paying some money for it, but you, I think it's nice, high quality. Mm-hmm. You know, there's tons of you don't even realize like all the different uh, embellishments and stuff on it. Um, and it's just like for my, um, I really like like this. The Night of the Black Rose is really cool because i've had josh asked me why did you get that one um because i've had that like this book i had this book james louder back in the 80s when he wrote it um lord soth um and how he basically falls from being this good prince to uh the knight of the black rose uh so i i I don't have the book anymore i'm looking around like oh i don't have that book anymore but um i remember having that reading that book whatever 30 years ago uh, and and so to have the shirt and everything is really cool. And he was one of my favorite characters from, I think Forgotten Realms from Forgotten Realms. And I don't know what he's doing now. He might be, I'm kept up with him in the last twenty years. But he's a yeah, pretty cool character. And the shirt is pretty cool. So excellent. All right. I uh, also ordered uh, apparently a week after Troy or something, and just recently mm-hmm. got my. Hey, it's been it's being shipped, so expect uh, I'll have that in the next episode. Yeah, and I just saw something like he said they restocked a whole bunch of stuff because I think once he went out in the first wave, a right. lot of stuff was sold out. If he had looked earlier, and so yeah, so I think they're yeah we're replenishing back. and yep. sending things out to people. So what I want to make is a T-shirt that uh, doubles as a playmat. Cool. Okay. Somebody I think we could, oh. oh, I didn't. I, Shh, I, can we cut this out of the podcast so nobody steals my idea? Yeah, right, because I think this could be good. Yeah. <laughs> wearable playmats, mm-hmm. wearable shirts, play play like shirts it. and skins. <laughs> yep. Throw it down. <laughs> down for kill team twenty-two yeah. by thirty. Yeah, that there would work. Fold it. Yeah, you know. <laughs> that might work. Yeah. Hey. Um, on it. So I I didn't actually purchase this, but I saw it. Oh, and I okay. thought it would be interesting. Um, so they make a neoprene playmat for Scythe, and it's just a slightly bit larger than than the actual yeah, board game. So do you need the, the board, board or mm-hmm. the mat mm-hmm. functions as your the, board? Yeah, the mat is the board. Yeah, so it takes place, um, and it's it's washable, machine washable, um, and it's got like grippy on the bottom, so it's like a you know that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it's super is it cool. Bigger, so it's like yeah, supposedly you it's bigger to like the so size can, of the special big board, basically. I, I think yep, so. Yeah, because yep. they said then all the mechs fit and things like that. Because cool. yep. sometimes in Scythe, right, you can get really it crowded. gets crowded. Yeah, yeah, yep. right. 
So yeah, they 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 took that under consideration and they made it a little bit bigger and you can roll it up and yeah. So thought that was cool. Um, for nice. people that like and stuff. that's Meeple Meeple Source. Meeple Source. Yeah. Right. So the, a lot of the the Stonemeyer stuff. Um, yeah, Stegmeyer has a good relationship with Meeple Source. Right. They shared yeah. a booth at Gen Con. They, right. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm I'm on uh, Mebel Sources uh, mailing list. So yeah, that kind of came through my inbox today. Sweet. Anything else out there that we should be listening to, checking out, reading? So it's an old, I'll say an old stuff that I've just discovered as I'm kind of rolling through different uh, podcasts and gaming stuff. Whatever, because um, every I and I don't know about you guys. For me, I I have my favorite shows and I kind of listen to, and then there's other shows that. I enjoy, but I get kind of, I'm like, I retire them and, or I don't listen to them as regularly um, and always looking for kind of new things. And uh, one that I just discovered in terms of a podcast is um, the Shut Up and Sit Down guys, um, which is, I think, Paul and Quinn and Matt, uh, the guys over in England that do really, really, in my mind, the most interesting and fun and entertaining, probably number one, uh, entertaining video po- video reviews of board games and stuff. They have a they have a podcast and they have like 80, 80 episodes of that. I didn't realize they did, um, and so I started listening to that uh, just kind of from they were at Gen Con this year, which made me think about them um, to, to see them in person. Uh, so really enjoying that. I love those guys. Really nice board game coverage. I mean, recent episodes they talked about um, what's the root? I think um, the yeah recent um, recent there. A lot of other game, uh, some roll and write games, and went through. Um, but really enjoying that again. If you're looking for, if you're not aware of uh, looking for board game, bot, a little something different than maybe the dice tower stuff. Um, just gives a little different perspective, and uh, really enjoying it. So probably going to start uh, putting them in my regular listen list. Sweet, excellent. Well, hey, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to get in the head of the Bodfather himself with some uh, questions for Troy. Welcome back to the show. We have Troy uh, in the chair in the therapist room. It's a little hot in this chair. Right <laughs> There's a bright Ooh. light shining down on him. Um, <laughs> we have one of his arms cuffed to the table so he can't get away. And we are ready to psychoanalyze the basement of death, Bodfather himself, Troy. So we've each uh, written up some questions, and they're, some of them are, are pretty, pretty hard-hitting really deep uh questions that'll show us a lot about you and we're we're excited to to show this side of you to our our audience and also to us because there's probably some things josh and i are not aware of that is within the recesses of troy's mind mm-hmm. all right josh how about you uh kick it off and and we'll put troy under the micro- microscope we'll start it off easy there so what was your first foray into gaming? And I'm breaking it up into different segments. So, like RPGs, uh, you know, card games, board games, and mini war gaming, that sort of thing. So, where you know, where did where did that all kind of start for you? Um, so, let's very first idea of like hobby gaming, and I think if you go back in some of the old old archives, I may have mentioned that is there was the old I think it was called Starfire. So it was a uh, counter uh, spaceships, you know, little chits um, and pretty, you know, involved rules around, 
you know, move your ships. And it was kind of the precessor to like a, um, again, precessor to Starfleet battles, which is again, an ancient game. Um, so this would have been like 1980. Um, and I can't remember we were at some, I want to say that like some kind of summer camp kind of thing. And somebody had this game and that was my first exposure to these, uh, to anything besides like, a, you know, monopoly kind of other thing. And I was just totally intrigued around cause I was always a star, you know, kind of a sci-fi geek uh, to get that so yeah that so that was kind of my first like not like normal hasbro game right um rpgs was D &D, um from was that Redbox? uh yeah the whatever yeah the not the it was the funny purple whatever one uh, which came out right before and that was like eighth grade so again we were talking same similar time like 1980 and it was a guy, some kid at school and his older brother like played and it took me a little bit to like wrap my head around like, well, what's the board and how do you win? Right. <laughs> and then, uh, and so, but I, again, I was all in on, you know, Hey, fantasy dragons and whatever. And so got that and, uh, and tried to figure out basically started playing with the family, um, and just basic D and D. Uh, to get that so that was that and then very quickly we got in there was another group in high school with actually one of my te my spanish teacher was probably the biggest one of the biggest influences in terms of gaming and we used to run she would run the like summer dungeon and dragons uh, a lot and then we ended up we'd play all you know kind of all year round but a lot of saturday nights were over at her house with the group did uh, she make you play in spanish was it like uh we did Spanish too, <laughs> because we would play D and D a lot of times in Spanish too. And but I really think it was me playing with her, and then the there was a couple other. It was there was a couple other girls who would just be like, "Whatever, we'll do whatever we're gonna do." Right? <laughs> and uh, and it was fine. I think she just wanted to play D and D, and this was a reason and a way to pretend to do it while she was working. So nice. <laughs> And I mean, other ones, magic. I mean, we were there and I was there. I remember 19, whatever it was, 1990, when this new magic thing came out, the, uh, the kind of when the unlimited set hit, I think it was when it hit big. And so John and I played that the heck out of that for, for a while. Um, war gaming was the, my lead into war gaming was actually Dungeons and Dragons was if you don't remember the old battle systems game. So Battle Systems was, I think, for was it for Advanced D&D? It was, they had an idea of mass battle systems. I was going to say, wasn't that Gygax's answer to, like, siege battles and right. larger military encounters? Right. Yeah, so, like, how you do kind of large encounters. For, so, and, again, it was very, like, you could, had a bunch of chits and stuff in the box, and so you could lay out these big, huge battles. And it just had kind of mass combat rules in there. And I loved that idea of, and I think in some of the campaigns I was running at the time, we kind of built up to doing some big, uh, one of these big mass battles. And that kind of got me hooked around, oh, I really like this idea of this, um, you know, kind of gaming battles. And I'll tell another story I think I've told already is I one thing that got me really into like actual miniatures closer to 40K was I was in Lake Geneva at the Dungeon Hobby Shop. And um, 
which was is was an epic place back in the day because the, there were no real hobby shops and so this would have been again in high school uh probably hanging around with my i think my spanish teacher uh, her sister happened to work at the wrigley estate um, taking care of their horses she was a big horse person too when her sister also was worked at the wrigley estate in lake geneva um, and so we came down for the weekend stayed at their guest house um, and then went over to dungeon hobby shop we also went to a couple of conventions there over time but in the basement of the dungeon hobby shop was um i think as i've read more about the history it was actually either gary gygax's actual sand table so they you know we have all this terrain in those days they didn't have terrain it was actually like this giant sandbox of like kind of that clay stuff so they would and they were doing some big military like world war ii tank battle kind of thing um, and I saw that and I was like immediately hooked, like, how do I ever, so then for the next 20 years, I was trying to figure out how do I get to that? I mean, that's probably <laughs> the origin of the basement of death. Like I kind of spent then the next to get, how I need to have my own space like this, that has this wargaming space in it to get to. So, uh, that was one, yeah, a formative, uh, thing, especially around wargaming. And I really kind of got me like, I really want to do this. I still love all this other stuff, but, um, how do I get wargaming? And then in that kind of as you get a little later you know kind of uh 80 whatever 87 ish when warhammer kind of hit and uh the original warhammer game i wasn't as much into like the fantasy but like again is that rogue trader era yeah rogue trader like when when they introduced warhammer Forty Thousand, like this idea of ooh sci-fi like really grabbed because we had done kind of the battle system D D, and so the the warhammer fantasy side never really great we weren't in that kind of genre yet but 40k was this whole new thing about what we can do this in sci-fi world um so and i was kind of in that college phase which means i wasn't i was gaming a little bit because i actually had some friends in college that um that were into gaming so we did a little bit but a lot of times was that was a lot of college time so you're spending girls and drinking tends to be more of your <laughs> more <laughs> yeah. time that but i still had uh, ben and john actually got more into um kind of we're doing the exploratory stuff around 40k and so whenever i was back or meeting with them we would uh, just throw it on on the floor i can remember throwing down on the floor uh, with whatever the you know miniatures that they had the old rbo1 uh, marines and your old metal guys that we would play and the, the rules space were, marines with beaks. Yeah. So it's me and the rules were just terrible. Like we got in, it was like, you always did like we, again, we argued like brothers always and in, in any of those <laughs> miniature games, but those rules were so terrible for any kind of semi competitive. Cause they really were a narrative kind of time name set. And cause you could have guys with, um, you know, he's got like a vortex grenade and whatever. And I shoot you and I roll and I throw the vortex grenade and your guy's dead. And you're like, I just spent half an hour writing this guy's stuff up and you killed him in the first turn. Like, how is this fun? Right. But we had fun. It was a lot of that. And cool. So that that's kind of, and then board games actually were not as, I was not as heavy into like different board games. Uh, it was a lot of, um, a lot of war games, like role play. We did just, it was either role playing games or a lot of, um, like miniature wargaming stuff so like a lot of starfleet battles we played a ton of starfleet battles um and like car wars old style car wars so a lot of shooting fighting kind of games we were into uh not a lot of like the old you know squad leader any kind of like 
board game kind of stuff. It was really, it was kind of really once like getting going with Ty back then that I really played more and more um, board games. You touched on it a little bit already, but um, how does family factor, did or does family factor into your gaming? Uh, you know, especially coming from a family of four kids, um, and then you know having a daughter now. Um, yeah, how does how does that all kind of tie into your gaming? Um, so there's yeah, two brothers and sister who we, you hear about a lot, um, and we've always gamed together. We I grew up on a farm, kind of out in the middle of nowhere, so not like we had a bunch of neighbors and kids. So we did a lot of stuff by ourselves, and uh, so I talked about that original D and D box. We didn't have anywhere to play with. Um, at first, I'm like, well, mom, you have to be the dungeon master, right? Well, <laughs> how far do you think that went? That didn't get very far. So it ended up, I was the dungeon master. Was this where John the Cleric? This is John the Cleric campaign. So we started the John the Cleric campaign <laughs> back in 1980 and probably played then on and off um, up through yeah, probably into college that... Um, and those characters are still floating around was, out there. I was going to say, what level was John the Cleric? Um, basic D&D. Um, they were probably, I think that group's probably around, they might be a little more, somewhere in the 8 to 10 level of... So I'm going to throw this out here, and I'm going to gauge interest. Next year at Gen Con, I will run a D&D game, any edition, any setting, for the Weisses. The one requirement, John the Cleric must be in the party. <laughs> we can we can dust him off. I still have the character sheet. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and because we I keep thinking about because even with roll twenty now, like would we that might be something to just dust those characters off and give them some kind of uh, plug them in. Yeah, some kind of and and so that we had that. I mean, so that was yeah. And then that campaign went on for because they went they got the tenth level. One experience point at a oh, time. Oh yeah, the grind. The grind, right? Yeah, we kept track of all the experience points. I think I think Ben went through two characters because I think at one point I killed him because he was annoying. And, so, <laughs> <laughs> and man, and it was funny over time. Mandy's character was, you know, early on it was more. She was more of an NPC when she was younger, and then as she got older, she actually, um, you know, got more into participating. So Zandora, I believe, a thief. She was a rogue. That's awesome. <laughs> and we still, I mean, we still all get together. Like, I mean, last couple, you know, Gen Con, Adepticon, uh, when we all can get together now. That's that's like our reunions uh, tends to be, as we all get together at Gaming's Convention. And Mandy doesn't game, game as much anymore, but again, she's still involved from the the artsy side, and she does love to, um, you know, she won't get dig into a, like a meaty, meaty game, but she'll get in and play a lot of board games with us. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, family's uh, a big part of our, our gaming. Now you've you've talked about uh, like 40k and and miniature wargaming. What is your favorite part about uh, hobby gaming? So um, painting, assembling, buying, you know, whatever, um, setting up scenes, terrain. I, yeah, I guess take it where you want it. Uh, I touched it a little bit. I think it's all in that pursuit of the game table. Of in the end, you know, we buy all this stuff, I, we paint it all, we put it together so that we can do just like what we did last weekend. To me, like putting that table together, making a really cool scene, throwing the army on it, 
And then for the next three or four hours, everybody battles and you get to tell a little story. That is the ultimate. And just being able to do that in different ways um, is what is kind of, so it's like everything else just kind of goes to the, whenever we can get that, you know, those kind of pinnacles to do that, whether it's at a convention and we're doing stuff or, um, you know, that's why I've enjoyed it. Sometimes we used to, you know, somebody goes to the conventions where people, these other people have done some of these big historical battles and they have really cool tables and just being able to be part of that is interesting, but, um, being able to do it yourself where you built the thing and then kind of enjoying the scene. So it's, it's really about, yeah, building that table for some reason that really gets my juices flowing, um, more than anything else, probably. So I guess right along, right along those lines. So your space Hulk game has been at many conventions, um, and that, that table, that scene, um, it's been discussed on other podcasts and, and, you know, a lot of people have, uh, strived to get tickets to, you know, those events and things. Uh, what was your original drive to create it? Like what, or when, when were you like, you know what, I need to do a space Hulk board. So it's very, so it's going to be anticlimactic. It really is John and Ben and I, um, we started going probably middle, mid nineties. Um, when we were all kind of, I was out of college, they were college or out, uh, and we're like, Hey, we can just go to these conventions. And so we got to go to, to origins, uh, and Gen Con was still in Milwaukee at the time. So, uh, and we would go and Spake Hulk was one of those games that we had started playing kind of back in 1990 and, and we'd bring it along with us and we'd go to conventions and it was one of those games we wanted to play. Nobody else was running it. And we just all of a sudden like, well, let's just start running it. And so we start out very basic. Like we just would bring the box and the tiles and we kind of had a scenario and we started running it. And then we kind of figured out what would work, what worked and what didn't. And we kind of like, well, we got to let's juice it up a little bit. And we'd add a little bit. And we went from, you know, a whole bunch of tiles and we're like, oh, this takes too long to set up. <laughs> and so I think, I don't know if you guys are like, we, at one point we had the printed, printed mat, you go yeah. to the print shop. Yeah. To- yeah. So I bet in Photoshop, I would spend whatever hours and days. I basically built uh, a basically Photoshop, went to like a poster printer kind of people. And we printed out these big, the maps on the big roll of, of sheet or canvas at some point. Uh, and rolled those out and then we're like wow but we can't have a flat we need to add some more terrain um (laughs) and then uh, really the the next genesis was what that really helped us do was fine-tune the the scenarios and how to make a game fun and how to make people when you have people come what do they enjoy and how do you get you know how do you have make sure that you have a good game that really helped us get through that and then along the way we've kind of discovered different things and John and I just keep having weird ideas about how can we make it bigger and better. And then it was like origins when we went back in 2010 where we stumbled upon those guys that had that 3d train. And that was kind of the next big, okay, screw setting it up easy. Now let's just make this as cool a board as, as we can. Um, so it was kind of the two things I think in terms of, you know, the hobby side of making this kind of awesome production, but it's really been, how long we've been doing this right 20 20 years of just fine-tuning you know gameplay and understanding how do you do a convention event and how do you make sure people are having fun and engaged and do something that that we can get through and we've been playing the same game space hulk is still fun (laughs) um and we keep you know tweaking it a little bit but i think that's what 
what, what's made that fun. And it, I never could imagine that it's, you know, the, the amount of I mean, limited notoriety that we get for doing it, but it is, um, there's nothing more than the, the feedback that we get where people are just like, Hey, this was, thank you. This was fun. Um, you know, that's kind of worth all the, the time and hours that we put in to, to get the go. Very cool. All right. Well, Josh has given you the uh, the intro to Troy. Softballs. Now I'm gonna come. <laughs> I'm gonna come with the psychological thriller aspect here, and and really make make Troy make some tough decisions. All right, Troy. We've played role playing games together. You know my GMing style. A lot of the times, I will just ask, "What do you do next?" Well, this is your choice. You're in a room. It's dark. You can't see anything right now. Your eyes are adjusting in the darkness, though. Your hands are probably bound behind your back, but you think you could escape. And you get that pit of despair. You know something terrible is about to happen. What do you do next? Do you roll initiative? Do you make a perception check? Or do you just wait and see what happens next? This is a tough one. So... I think me, if you talk about me, I think it's make a perception check because I'm not overly aggressive. So I don't think I would just dive into initiative, but I also wouldn't be completely passive because that feels like that, that doesn't feel like you're taking any control. So, uh, and I am a little bit of a control freak. Um, in, in, I noticed that, <laughs> that people tell me that. <laughs> uh, so I think it would be make a perception check to try and gain control uh, or at least more understanding of the situation. Okay. Excellent. I'll remember that next time mm-hmm. we're, we're running mm-hmm. a uh, outbreak undead. No, that does not apply to when I'm actually role playing because <laughs> I have certain characters <laughs> that can't make a perception check. Soul, so. All right. So this, this one is perhaps a personal attack against yeah. you we'll, we'll find out <laughs> so you're you're in a room with three black library authors three of your favorites you have graham mcneil he's sitting across from you you have dan abnett at your right hand and you have aaron dembski bowden at your left here are your choices you can invite only one of them to dinner you can have one of them join your gaming group and you have to select one of them that can never write again. Who do you choose for each of those? This is now what's going to happen is like at some point we're going to have an interview with some person. And I will play this back for them. Right. And then and the person will be like, <laughs> right. And it'll be like, and it'll, of course, it'll be the person who I choose can't write again. Um, so let's we we just have we have to start there right because if i sure sure just cut that part out though as much i've i've personally met this guy i've talked with him he's a wonderful person but you make him you stand him up against the other two guys and i'd have to i'd have to end graham's career wow Wow. Okay. But he's but he's also working for like Riot now. So yep. he's fine. Okay. He's okay. Okay. Like he's I just he's good. I saw the pain. Yeah. Like that was a tough I put you in a tough spot. Right. Because, I'm sorry. But the other two people you have right you have on the list here, like so Dan Abnett I invite to dinner. I, I've met Dan two or three I got lucky enough to meet him two or three times. Um wonderful individual. I but it'd be wonderful to sit down and just have a conversation with him over dinner for 
a couple hours and talk about Gaunt's Ghost and all the Horace Heresy and other stuff and just and even all his you know comic books and the his mind and and how he goes uh, goes through things uh, told anytime I've had a chance to interact with him which I feel so lucky when I have um, Q and A's and all the stuff like that um, so Dan Abnett there and then I think the bonus like if you could get Aaron Dembski Bowden to join your gaming group like um, again uh, met Aaron a couple times. And he's, yeah, he would be an absolute blast. He's a terrific individual and love, again, uh, I, Dan Abner, I have to put him, he's probably my favorite, but it's really hard because every time uh, Aaron Dembski Bowden puts a new book out, he, you know, just kind of keeps raising the bar of what he's doing. So, all right. Um, yeah, you, you, you that went well. for me there. Yeah, that, yeah. You're, you're in my sweet spot. That, you, <laughs> yeah. know, you know what I... <laughs> The, the good news is we'll never do one of these segments yeah. about me. <laughs> False. False, right. right. Yeah, he's, you know, you're you're getting us right. Already right. making notes what questions we can <laughs> Role-playing game systems. You've played a lot. You're familiar with a lot. We've, you know, maybe not on the show, but we've talked about Amber Diceless. We've talked about Dogs in the Vineyard. We've talked about Dungeons and Dragons at, at great length. What role-playing game system captures you the best, and, and why is it, if you were going to put the Troy Weiss stamp of approval on a role-playing game system, why would it be that one? Hmm. Hmm. Role. This is the toughest one because I'm trying to think it captures me best. Um, I think it wouldn't be fantasy stuff. Um, just cause I've talked about it. as much as I love it and I love D and D whatever that, um, I mean, my my true love is probably more of a sci-fi, or um, and maybe and probably not modern day. It would probably be some kind of a sci-fi. Um, but I haven't played a lot of sci-fi um, kind of systems either. That's kind of the interesting, interesting one. So I don't know if I have a great answer for this one. I'm gonna pull so one. Uh, so either one thing. Uh, probably I'm gonna go back in history. Is Maybe one of the Marvel, like the original Marvel superheroes game, because um, it was very, it was very simple. It was Jeff Grubb wrote it, um, and it was just like you had different colors of your different powers. Uh, and we played a couple of campaigns. I had, we had a friend back in uh, back in high school um, that used to run. And again, it was a lot of voices around that played in <laughs> uh, in that game. And Weisses yeah. with colors. Weisses with colors, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, they're very primary. Okay, so good, good. Um, so maybe I'll, I'll go with Marvel superhero game. Yeah, because that's kind of that mix. So not sci-fi, not fantasy, uh, but you had superpower people. Uh, some interesting, um, some good story I told there, um, and that I think I really enjoy. A, a fairly simple, I might say simplistic, but straightforward system, not super crunchy. Um, that kind of lets, you know, there's mechanics there to let you do stuff, but not overly, you know, like not a million options, not, you don't have to dig through a rule book. Every dig time through you a do rule something. book. Right. Yeah. It's like, kind of like sure. I have a, a set of different powers or whatever I have. 
some pretty cool mechanic simple mechanics for how i implement those things and then just let the story and everything go so that's kind of where i i think in different games are ones I've, I've found that a favorite even though i've played a lot of stuff that's been the super crunchy and and other stuff so so I, it's not a great answer but i think that kind of hits hey, right here that'll play all right what what one grail game missing from your collection do you need and at what cost are you willing to get that grail game for your your collection hmm, hmm. grail game this is a tough one so a game that you know out of print lost to the ages maybe it's one you had at one point that you no longer possess that you just wish you could have back in your collection maybe it's one you never had I don't know if I have a good answer on this one. He might have, might have stumped me on this. I'm trying to think if there's got to be something in the old. Uh, you know, it's maybe not a game. It was something I had, and I actually the the one thing I regret that I did not keep is I had the old uh, AD and D uh, Greyhawk box set with the huge map. Yep. Back in my room, I actually had that map on my wall for years and years uh, with all the different Greyhawk. Um, and I, that's one thing I regret that I had kind of gotten rid of or lost the, over the, the years. The Greyhawk so, map and the, the yeah, box and the set. Box yeah. and, the, and, okay. the, and just the gut, you know, that had the different, all the different locations what, in it. So. What lengths are you willing to go to to get this? What, what uh, price are you willing to pay? I don't if somebody yeah. comes up on eBay and says, "Hey Troy, I've got this. Are you going to pay $500?" No. I I think I between I might go like between 1 and 2 maybe, maybe if it was in decent condition. <laughs> so, I I regret it, but I don't know how much I need it again. So okay. I, but cool. Will you survive the gauntlet? We all know a little bit more. Uh, we've we've seen, uh, you know, behind the mic, beyond the table. So thank you, Troy. Uh, we're going to take a real quick break. Then we're going to come back with a Play It or Slate review of My Little Scythe. And then wrap up with our BOD upcoming events and news uh, before closing out the show. So thank you for listening so far. Hang in there and we'll be right back with My Little Scythe, Play It or Slay It. Welcome back from the break. It is time for our Play It or Slay It review of My Little Scythe. So, Troy, you want to just break down designers, uh, game company, kind of... We, we said when we teased it earlier, uh, released at Gen Con. They'd done it through a pre-order, originally a print-to-play. Yep. So, I'll write off the thing. Stonemeyer Games presents My Little Scythe. Uh, designed by, I think it's Hobby Chow with his daughter, Vienna Chow, uh, and then illustrated by Katie Cow. So really cool art in this, um, and I think that really helps. Um, I'm not sure what the print and play had. Um, I think it was themed around My Little Pony a little bit uh, because they didn't care about <laughs> any IP infringement, so I think they had to do a little bit of a rebranding when they when they actually made it a real game and pulled it into Stonemeyer. Um but uh, so I, I think that's an important thing that to spend a little time talking about is the the level of detail done in the components for this mm -hmm. one, 
and the graphic design and how it looks visually because being named my little scythe and having elements of the concept of scythe where scythe when we've talked about in the past is a game that the board drives what you do and how you do it um and the the graphic design was a big part of that you know when you open the box you see excellent components cardstock art um game trays yeah game trays uh to hold all the components the miniatures which are all basically pairs of little types of you know cute little animals um awesome i think they're i don't know what they are they're probably i don't know almost two and a half probably two and a half Mm -hmm. inches tall um really nice uh they even give you a painting guide (laughs) in there uh if you want to kind of paint them up and if, if you look i saw some stuff on the internet or something or somebody had done some amazing paint jobs on those things but but it's just kind of interesting that they even give you a paint guide uh in the in the box of how you want to paint them uh board the board itself super heavy um not what i you know i don't know what i expected i thought well it'll be a board game right but yeah the these are all kind of a plus kind of components you have the the diamonds or crystals are plastic real blue crystals the hearts are plastic you know hearts um you know there's no cardboard in there except for the cards and the uh and the board itself uh, which are but even that see the cards are all nice high quality um that's in there and what else am i missing dice they use some custom dice in there also so uh, very good components and then the, the art style again is very much cute little animal uh, stuff yeah but, i don't want to call it chibi um, right right but yeah it's not that, chibi the but mini the minis have that look but, it's those cartoonish Car- yeah that's probably good cartoonish is, is it a, anthropomorphic anthropomorphic uh, a little i would say a little bit but even more like they're more animal they yeah. really are almost just cute little animals yeah a little bit anthropomorphic in terms of their walking um yeah but they are really animal more animal than they are so human w- so with all those components what what was the price point on my little scythe that is a good question because it was one of these things that it was a total impulse and I didn't, I think was Josh it like mentioned 15? it on this, on this funny podcast we had. And I literally <laughs> just like, Oh, I'll go pre-order that and buy it at Gen Con. And I did not pay attention at all okay. of what, uh, maybe we'll try and figure that out. Okay. The magic of, the um, so then, you know, the, the theme we've kind of, you're, you're collecting what apples and apples and crystals are kind of the resources that are on and then there's also on the board you also have quests um which are again a type of resource but a little different and then you can um there's two tracks uh one track counting the the hearts which are really a friendship mechanic um you can gain gain friendship by doing certain things like giving resources to your opponent actually gets you uh, a gets you up on the the friendship track um there's also just like scythe right you have a player board in front of you has different actions that you can take during your turn you can never take the same action twice because you have to basically move your pawn off of the previous action again very if anybody who's played scythe you're gonna all it's all gonna feel really familiar uh you can basically move which is moving your guys around with or without resources you can um I don't remember what the second one is called, but where you're basically creating more resources on the table. Um, Move, seek, search, seek, yeah, seek, seek. 
Move, seek, uh, make. And make, yeah. And seek, you're, you're basically rolling these custom dice, which then will randomly put more resources out on the table um, of all three types of the... And you can basically choose two different um, um, makeups of the dice types, whether you want to lean more towards the, the heart side or more towards the, uh, the crystal side, depending on what you want. Uh, that was the only part I struggled with from a color perspective is trying to basically roll the dice and each of the die faces color matches a section, one of the six sections on the board for us color challenge people. Sometimes like the red and the green and even the gray, there's a gray also. Um, just had to really make sure I was being careful into which uh, which one was really up. So I would kind of have to look at the face and compare it to like, is that red or green and usually i could tell by how the dice are oriented on which which face that was but that was the only thing i struggled with a little bit um and then make basically you can make um make pies which is the other track that uh, you want to basically make pies because as scythe the end goal right is to basically come i to complete um i think it's four of the um of the as they call trophies um so you can, you know, get if you get up to eight on the the friendship track. If you get, do two of the upgrades, where you can buy upgrade cards for your board, uh, get three of the spell cards. Which again, there's a way to to make those. That's those are all kind of make actions that you can can get after uh, complete two quests, uh, deliver either crystals or or hearts to the main castle in the middle, do a fight with another, or a pie fight, because they don't really, again, they're trying to be friendly, right? <laughs> so you're not doing anything, um, you know, you're not stabbing anybody in this game, or kind of build eight pies. Um, there's no mechs fighting. Generally. Yeah, there's no mechs fighting. And like I said, there's some mechanics where, like, do you actually can I give resources the to the first other expansion. Yeah. <laughs> my, my little street <laughs> scythe. Uh, you get shanks. They give the, the rodents the knives. <laughs> you get a blade, <laughs> brass knuckles. You can shake people down for their pie. Our, our fact checkers are telling us uh, it's $40 price point. 40 That seems. Very for the component, reasonable. yeah, that's that's yeah. valuable for what you're getting in yeah. the box. Yeah, because that's that's what I thought, and I'm like, well, this feels like it could be a sixty dollar game, really, with what everything that you're getting in the mm-hmm. box. So I think at forty, yeah, I think it's well you well can, priced. You can get it for less than that, but that's that's the yeah, average. average that's that's what our factory are telling you. And it does have a solo uh, play variant. Yep, there's a deck of cards that kind of does an AI where you can run, um, where it just runs some other people around. They basically either drop resources or pick up resources. Or they'll fight you if you actually end up in the same square with them. Uh, that's what beat me. I played it solo and got <laughs> beat by the by the deck because they even tell you to play on easy. And of course, I didn't believe them. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna, <laughs> not gonna do that. So Troy's like, this game's not gonna big time me. No, I got I'm like, this. Yeah, I'm gonna big time this game. Like, how how hard can it be? So, Hold my beer. So as I said, the um um, how I think I watched the uh, I Rodney I. Uh, Course. Watch, video, it played. watch it played i watched that video um i think twice as i was kind of setting it up and then watched it again as i was trying to figure out how to play and then again the rule book is pretty straightforward it's only i don't know what this is yeah maybe uh 10 pages 10 or 12 pages if that um it's but, certainly no gloomhaven yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah real easy to to kind of get set up and wrap your head around again especially if you're familiar with with scythe you'll very quickly kind of start to make those parallels. Oh, I get it. I see what we're doing here. Um, and, uh, I, 
yeah, I don't, again, once I get, I don't think I had any real questions on, uh, on, on the rules. They're, they're pretty straightforward. All right. So kind of talked how, how it plays. Um, you know, my initial thoughts just looking at it is components look good, but, um, theme is clearly family friendly and oriented mm -hmm. towards children understanding the backstory of the game you know a father daughter uh, collaboration from design standpoint originally a my little pony themed <laughs> print to play um i guess stripped down version of scythe in a way um interesting uh it looks good i just don't know how did so how did it translate for you cuz you're you're relatively serious yep board gamer when it comes and yep. gamer in general you like the the gritty darkness of the 41st <laughs> millennium you you know you like gothic horror and uh what so what did this how did this feel playing through it? um it does feel simple i mean um so it does feel simple but i can see it from Definitely, a, like almost a gateway game. So I think it is a game where if you want, if you have any younger people or people who aren't like a you know out of family type thing, I think you could get them in to, to play this pretty easy. And I think I still could enjoy kind of part of the game because there is some mechanics there and there's some strategy around getting it. But it is very fast. Like it. I think the playtime it's gonna be it's really hard I think to play more than an hour because uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, you're really it, it ramps up pretty quickly where people are gonna get trophies pretty it's pretty straight easy a lot easier to get trophies here than it is in like Scythe um, in terms of turns so you're gonna go pretty quick and the game's gonna come to an end which can be a good thing I think for what it is that also I think gives it playability for somebody like us who's a little more because if it was a little longer it would overstay its welcome pretty quick I think right. for us. Um, it seems like there's enough going on that it's not going to be super boring, but there's, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, like Ty said, it's sort of a stripped down site. Mm -hmm. So the accessibility for younger folks or for, you know, like you said, kind of more of a gateway or, game or for us with friends after five hours of drinking. Right. Yeah. 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 And I mean, even when I, I mean, even playing it solo, like it's tough. Like it's, so there is a, I'm like right now, like I have some desire just to like, Hey, I, I got to figure out how to, how can I beat this AI? Like, again, there's some, <laughs> there's some randomness to it. Um, but I'm like, all right, how can I should be able to get good enough where I can beat the AI. Right. So there's a puzzle there in terms of, um, what can I do and, and how do you move it? So, yeah, I, I think there's there's some meat there. There's not a whole lot. I mean, I don't oversell it in terms of that, but I think there's some meat there that uh, you know avid gamers would still enjoy it or enjoy pieces of it. And again, depending who they're playing with and what what their goal is in terms of playing it. Yeah, I mean, if you really want to play a game and you're a bunch of people who are avid gamers, you might just break out Scythe, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> there's kind of probably a pretty what, easy line. What there. is the player count? I think you can go six when the six okay. players. Yeah. So it, it does play. Yeah. Any any last thoughts on it, uh, Josh? I mean, Troy showed it to us, kind of give us a walkthrough where you at on it before before we determine play itness or slay itness. Yes, I made up terms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm we touched on it already, but the components look awesome. Um, the artwork looks awesome. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, yeah, it looks pretty cool. Try any, any final things to consider or 
things we may not have touched on for the listener if they're uh, they're weighing their options for a forty-ish dollar game? Um, again, the I think the components are great. I think I touched a little bit on the game trace. So even the board man or the box management is amazing in terms of setup. Everything's kind of easy to again easy to kind of set up and break down and put back in the box. Everything has a place. Um, so again, another strong. They did everything right in terms, of, I think, on production on this thing. Cool. Well, I guess let's uh, let's go around the table, play it or slay it. Should we? Should we? I'll start. Right. I often I kick I was it off somewhere else. Go. I was gonna have you go. Um, yeah, you got. I'm I'm the villain. I'm always I'm always the villain. <laughs> um, I'm gonna slay it. I I think it looks it looks cool. Like the components are are nice. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd get much enjoyment playing the game, and I think there's plenty of other game, like actual games, that I would I would rather play. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna slay it just because you know, got to be the villain, and uh, it looks nice. It's I think it's less than what I expected because I thought it was cool when we talked mm-hmm. about it leading up to Gen Con, and I, you know, um, but I think it's so stripped down from what scythe is that i don't know that i would be able to to slow myself down and and play (laughs) and play that that game yep and i i'll save my i i think the interesting what you'll i think what you'd find is it's not necessarily slow down is it what i found it's just it's hyper fast like what you would do is like how fast like wow i have to like go super fast if i really want to win this thing yeah so i guess slow slow yeah. is the wrong yeah, um, it's, it's simplistic it's really yeah, simplicity like, yeah it's, i'm not gonna have that that moment of strategic yeah, choice right. that i'm looking for where it hinges on like me applying tactics and strategy um i think there's yeah. a little of that there's from a little I bit see, it, it, like i said a little bit i i almost think about it as like there's this puzzle around how fast can I get to my four trophies? Cause that really mm-hmm. seems like that's the mechanic to winning is how can I kind of double up on things or take advantage of her? Cause I and get yeah. to the, and, and go as fast as I can. Cause I think the game is really fast and that's where I think you're going to find it. Any kind of strategy is just going to be around that puzzle around how fast can I get to that four trophies, which is going to be really fast. Um, and so, you know, people who are, kind of more gamers are really going to look for how do I solve that puzzle pretty fast? And I don't think it's a hard puzzle, but it may be, maybe it's an interest. It might be an interesting, puzzle. at least against like the AI found it to be uh, a, a fairly interesting puzzle because it was really fast. Like the AI can, you can tweak the numbers on the, the ratchet on the eye and really make it tough to, to be. Plus there's a, a random component to it. All right, Josh, where are you at? Play it or slay it? Well, so for what it is, um, you know, for, you know, I think it's geared more toward towards the younger audience, towards that gateway game. You know, a little bit. I think it's a maybe a, just a slight step up from a gateway yep. game. You know, um, I, I I I'm gonna I'm gonna play it. Um, you know, have younger, um, hopefully potential gamers coming up uh, in my family. So I'm I'm hoping to get them in, into something like this. Uh, you know, eventually. So. Um, yeah, I think I might pick it up and and uh, might sit on the shelf for a year or two. But uh, yeah, I think I can get Emily to play in a couple of years here. So yeah, I'll play it. All right, and Troy. I, I think I'm gonna stay with a play it right now. 
Um, I wish I would have got, I was going to try, I was trying to get this to the table, uh, over the holiday weekend with my nephews and nieces, um, to try and get to get their feel on it. Uh, I talked a little bit. I was, I wanted, I wanted to see how they wrap their head around the variable wind conditions. Yeah. Cause I'm the only thing I'm wondering, like, will, like, what's the age level will it kick yeah. in that you, that what, you know, to me, it's like real, like I said, I see the puzzle as how do I fast get my fastest there would younger kids how fast will they get that or will they struggle with sure kind of the multiple win options or not Mm -hmm. yeah and and josh you know kind of talking about it being that gateway ish game Mm -hmm. i think where where it went to slay it for me was that i don't i think there's a little too much to sit down with like a non-gamer and right. explain it. They're looking for, I roll the dice and move mm-hmm. and do one other thing. This seems to just have a little bit more where mm-hmm. I think it's that once you're in the door and you've mm-hmm. seen, you know, something. Right. Uh, That's and, what I'm and, saying. It's yeah, kind of a gateway yeah. plus, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, it's definitely that yeah. like yeah. second gateway. Right. Yeah. It's like you're yeah, in the door. And, you know, I think that's there, um, there's a space for that. And I think this might fill that. Yeah. And, and, and certainly, you know, that that is probably where it, is is that right beyond like you've never yeah, gamed it's, before it's not a king domino yeah uh or even like a flam rouge right I, I, it's almost like then that next uh kind of level mm-hmm. but it would be interesting again or would younger kids just see it as a sandbox type game mm-hmm. right where i'm gonna go and go do, do this, this do is that, it that, is that. it an adventure game for right. kids when mm-hmm. you right. think of like Descent or some of those games that are like real heavy, you know, adventure explorer games, would they play it in that way that it's... Or, so, oh, look, uh, hey, yep. all of a sudden they won. All right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So um, hopefully right. we can, maybe I'll, hopefully I'll get some experience with that and we can come yeah. back. And, and yeah, that would be that. interesting so, to see, yeah, younger kids uh, playing, you know, 10, 12, whatever. Yeah. And I'll be the I'll be the Grinch over here. So, two play it, one slay it, uh, and that is my little scythe from Stonemaier Games. T- to be fair, I think your uh, your negative view is is sound. Yep. Like I, I think there is it. The artwork is more towards younger kids, mm-hmm. and I think the the level is it. it just. Mm-hmm. It feels like, and I hate to say this because <laughs> it's it's doubtful this is the intent. It feels like they're trying to fool people into buying it. They mm-hmm. went, they painted a picture for a larger audience, and I think the game fits. And that's that's just the feeling that I had taking a look, figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And that's marketing. I mean, nope. I'm not going to fault you know them for trying to make some money on a game <laughs> uh, that that helps all of yep. us when people buy the game. So, right. Yep. Right. All right. Well, that is Play It or Slay It, and we are at the end of the road for this episode, the Michael Jordan of episodes, episode 23. Nice. So, Oh, great callback. <laughs> um, I don't know that this will be the greatest of all time for our, our podcasting mm-hmm. careers, uh, mm-hmm. by any means. I mean, yeah, it's a good one. It was good, though. Yeah. Solid. Speaking of solid, we've got some events coming up that you should check out and support here in the Midwest. The first of them coming up September 22nd. It's a one-day, uh, three-round Age of Sigmar tournament. It is at Adventure Games in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. We have affectionately affectionately labeled it BryceCon. Uh, so Bryce, <laughs> our, our guys from Milwaukee uh, member up north, 
um, is running a one day uh, Age of Sigmar 2000 point tournament. Um, 16 players. There are currently three spots open. Um, uh, through Ad- Adventure Games in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. They're selling tickets online through, I think, Eventbrite. It's 10 or $12 when you include fees. Um, so it should be a nice little local grow-the-scene type event. I think probably half the tournament field will be uh, folks <laughs> from uh, Milwaukee coming up to help support Bryce. But I know he's put a, a great pack together, and he's looking forward to uh, trying to build the community up there in his, his uh, neck of the woods. Um, also a new event in Huntsville, Alabama, which is not quite Midwest, but, uh, <laughs> Jacob Burleson is a, uh, just a great guy. That's a part of that kind of Nashville and uh, now Huntsville scene. Um, met him at Nashcon. He's running a event October 6th and 7th in Huntsville, uh, chaos GT, a two day, five round age of Sigmar, 2000 point tournament. Um, still taking registration, uh, Using some of the the Nashcon terrain has the support of that group, so that that should be a good event if if that happens to be in your neck of the woods and like playing Age of Sigmar. Check out uh, Jacob's Chaos GT. Back to Illinois, October twelfth through the fourteenth in uh, Bloomington at the Interstate Center. Flatcon is a miniature gaming convention. A couple of events throughout. Forty uh, K, One Day Age of Sigmar, some Shadespire. Uh, I'm sorry, Warhammer Underworlds, because now we oh. know that Shadespire was just the first but, season, and yeah. we've seen that more is coming. Uh, but Flatcon, um, Chuck Giardina is doing a lot of the organization uh, and um, promotion. Um, so definitely check out Flatcon. You know why it's called Flatcon? Because there are no hills yeah. for it, hundreds of miles around yeah, that part of Illinois. It, it's not an exciting drive, I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, and then just north, uh, near near uh, kind of middle of northern Illinois, is RockCon, October nineteenth to the twenty first in Rockford. Uh, I think I think Dan's going Dan's down going, the RockCon. Yeah. Um, playing some RPGs, doing some stuff. So he'll be there from Cubic Shenanigans. Uh, another big event, though, just down the road and near <laughs> closer to Chicago is Dragonfall. And Dragonfall this year is doing a two-day AOS tournament, a handful of 40K tournaments, um, and, and should be well attended. I know they've sold out most yeah. of their uh, GW-themed events. Um but that is in Elmhurst, Illinois, uh, Dragonfall. I know they have a Facebook page. Um, I think there's a Dragonfall website, website. as well. Yeah, yeah, pretty big website with all the stuff going on there. A lot of stuff besides. I think because there's even electronic gaming part of that convention also, in yeah. addition to the, the you know miniature gaming and board gaming side. Yeah, there is uh, some, some e-gaming yeah. tournaments and stuff. So. Um, and then not so much an event everybody will attend, <laughs> but uh, I will be in Germany for Essen with Anvil 8 Games, uh, end of October the 25th through the 28th, the world's largest game fair. Um, trying to see if the language barrier allows me to demo Frontline No Comrades as fine. successfully as I uh, do here home stateside, and if I can make a 11-hour international flight, we'll see. Did, did you get your passport yet? It's uh, applied for in, in the uh, the expedited process. Good, 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 good. So I should have a passport in time for uh, for this. Excellent. Then I get back, and I have three days to recover before I go down to Chicago for Holy Havoc, where uh, the guys from Milwaukee, so Bryce and Brendan, are running a, a pretty cool team list. And then Dave and I are running uh, 
a pretty cool uh, list that we've we thought of that should be a lot of fun built around um, crashing into our enemy, killing them, us dying, and summoning demons. So I'll let you figure out what that might be. Um, Holy Havoc, Steve Herner's uh, narrative doubles event November 2nd through the 4th. Then we've got one of the best uh, gaming conventions out there, Gamehole Con, November 8th through the 11th at the Alliant Energy Center in Madison, Wisconsin. We will all be there. We'll be playing stuff, running through True Dungeon, um, playing some role-playing games, and all sorts of guests. Pat Rothfuss. I mean, recently Matt Mercer was announced, so Critical Role's own uh, GM extraordinaire. All the D&D guys, Perkins, Merles, Crawford, um, Peter Atkinson. I'm actually Peter playing Atkinson. a game with Peter Atkinson. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Bunch of game ins- insiders. Um, you know, that, that con keeps growing. Uh, Alex Cammer's <laughs> doing a fantastic Amazing. job growing that. Um, looking forward to that a lot. But that is Gamehole Con. Can still register. Um, mm-hmm. Event registration. You know, the window opened a while ago, but it's still open. Uh, and looking forward to checking out Gamehole Con. So if you're in the area, Madison is a wonderful town as well. So... <laughs> If you want to make a, a weekend of it, there's plenty to do, you know, down downtown and then uh, for the family. And if you want to escape over to the convention for a while and play some games, you certainly can. All right. Well, that brings us to the end. Uh, certainly. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you found us there. Uh, look forward to seeing your comments and uh, how many stars we can get. Um, we, we may or may not give you, like, special shout outs <laughs> if you give us a review and we know who you are. <laughs> and if you say we suck and give us a poor review, we'll still shout out because, yep. you know, feedback's important. Um, you can reach us on Facebook. We've got the Playing and Slaying page there. We're on Twitter at Playing Slaying Show or a website, basementofdeath.com, where every episode gets posted um, with show notes and links to some of the stuff we talk about. If you've got email and you want to talk about the Packer game every week, hit us up, Ty at basementofdeath.com, Josh at basementofdeath.com, Troy at basementofdeath.com, general info about the show or Basement of Death events and other shenanigans, info at basementofdeath.com. All right, that'll do it. So everybody keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. <laughs> that author question. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Spoil Fulgrim again, Troy Weiss. <laughs> There's no spoilers in Fulgrim. Then he becomes a demon prince. Surprised you didn't throw that in. That's he did. You de- like you don't. You can go now and look remember, at. He did say guess that. what? is <laughs> a demon prince. Ooh, what do you? Like, know? I don't know the story at all, but I uh, remember him saying that. Yeah. Like if you can buy the model now, it's kind of a spoiler, isn't it? Like, There's not a Fulgrim demon prince model. There was an epic. 
You can buy in Epic. You can you could have bought Fulgrim. You could bought live from VOD Studio. It's the last episode ever of Plan and Slan as Ty and Troy become the Horus Heresy. Yeah. Who's who? It's, it's an interesting. It is an interesting discussion around Horus Heresy spoilers. Wait, who's, 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 who's Slytherin and who's Gryffindor? Well, here's the thing. I think Troy is the emperor. He's so far up Gilliam's butt that like he has to be a loyalist. There's Fair. nothing else that Troy Weiss can be. Mm-hmm. I think I'm the counter to Troy's Gilliam. Like, I think I become Horus and lead the rebellion in the BOD. Mm-hmm. And pull people to to my banner. So mutiny against the Bodfather. Mm-hmm. 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 Basement of Death, Horse Heresy. We could pick teams like Kickball. Nice. Anyone on the BOD Discord is uh, available. I'll give you first what pick. If, what if I'm Lorgar? Inspiring me to turn heretic. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> Now he's called spoilers. 